we see now generally in Singapore itself right men and women are contributing almost equally to economy okay we see as many working women as we see working men so why not if women are contributing economically means like the traditional roles where women are more at home is also shared equally with you know the partner so that is one of the mindset Hi, I'm Hafiz and this is We Are Dads Too, a podcast for fathers by fathers. Each week, we will have conversations about different aspects of fathering. We will also be speaking with experts to get their opinions. So today, my co-host Parkson and I will be talking with Dr. Siti Mariam. Welcome, Dr. Siti Mariam. Thank you very much, Hafiz and Parkson, for having me here today. Well, before we go anywhere, uh, go forward, let's wish you Happy Mother's Day. Yes. Because this episode is a Mother's Day special. So not just to you, but all mothers out there, Happy Mother's Day and hope you have a very wonderful day with your family and you get to do the things that you always wanted to do. <laughs> Thank you. And it's very important for us to address mothers because apparently... Half of our audience are mothers. Although we women, women, women. We don't know that if they're mothers. Okay. We just presume they're mothers, mothers but they're women. Women, <laughs> girls. I think mothers want to, want to know father's perspective also, right? Correct, yes. correct. They want to know what fathers talk about when they are alone. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I mean, it's not easy to get fathers to talk, when, but when they do, you better listen. <laughs> then yeah. you get a yeah. podcast like WADT. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little bit more about uh, our guest today. She's a wife and mother of two cho- uh, of three children, I'm sorry, ages two, four, and six. Very, very systematic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all planned. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so welcome again. Let me start off with the first question. All right. So you've been a mother for quite some time now. And uh, what would you say is the, let's start with the good part, the, the best part of being a mother? I think at this stage right now that my kids are still very young, uh, two, four, and six, right? They are uh, toddler and preschoolers. Uh, the best part that we are experiencing is the fun because they are still very playful and still joyful. And they try to turn everything into something fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be stressful at times, but <laughs> most of the time, you know, it brings a lot of joy. Um and other than that, I think, you know, being somebody's hero, you know, someone who looks up to you and like really love you and really say, mommy, you are my hero or daddy, you are my hero. You know, it's really heartwarming. Mm. And, you know, kids don't lie. So when they say something like that, you know, we feel that, oh, okay, you know, you feel good that we've probably done something right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that actually gives you... A reason to look forward to going home every day, right? You know, I'm going home to someone who sees me as their hero. Wow. You know, as compared to at work, you know, <laughs> you might not be seen that way. Well, it depends. We haven't gone to the second part of the question, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's right. focus on the, the best part. I think the other things that, other than focusing on the children themselves, um, having children actually improves the relationship I have 
with my husband and also with my parents. Uh, because, okay, for my husband, of course, you know, it brings us together to work as a family. And for my parents, I find that I start to understand them better. Mm. And I start to appreciate what they have done for me. And, you know, seeing it from a different perspective as a parent now. Yeah, now that you're in their shoes, you begin to say, oh, that's what they actually went through and the sacrifice they've made and the suffering that I caused them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and okay. the scoldings I get, they always say, you know, it's because I love you. I'm like, why you scold me when you love me? <laughs> so so are you saying that those people who are not mothers, they will not be able to appreciate their parents? I'm not saying that. It's just for me personally. Like, you know, that's how I start to understand more. And usually when I complain to my mom or say like you know I'm so tired I don't get enough sleep and she's like now you know uh, <laughs> then it's always like uh, a dagger you know like <laughs> but yeah. yeah you know now I understand you know what she has gone through which she don't really tell us she doesn't complain and I appreciate it very much that you know my parents have really done a lot for us to get to where we are today yeah I think I think it's about what you're saying uh, parents I mean, complain, do complain. I mean, I don't think uh, parents don't complain. They do complain. But I think if they really to complain, they really want to complain everything, there'll be a lot. But in reality, parents usually, they just uh, take in, you know. Mm. Right? They just accept. And as you said just now, uh, if you begin to enjoy the process, right, then you are really appreciating mm. the the journey of uh, parenting or motherhood. Yeah. You're right? Yeah, that's true. La. That's true. Mm. Uh, parents suffer silently. <laughs> they complain to themselves or at, at most to their spouses or maybe when they're with friends, they will compare notes, you know, with other parents, they'll compare notes. How is your kids like? Huh? And then you say, oh, mine are like that. Oh, mine also. Okay, then they feel comforted. All right, I'm not the only one. <laughs> true, true. We have a lot okay. of parent forums where we complain to each other or exchange notes, I exchange would say. Exchange notes, yes. We're supposed to talk about good things now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> say, before all we right. go to all these negatives. Okay, so part B of this first question is, what is the hardest thing about being a mother? I think the first and foremost is the lack of sleep. Uh, because from <clears throat> from the time we are pregnant, for me, thankfully, it was okay. So I still get a lot of sleep. But once we deliver the baby, and you know, when the baby, let's say if we are uh, nursing, and um, we don't get much sleep from then on. We are always waking up. And, and you know, usually for sleep cycle, we always need a certain amount to get into that deep sleep where the body really rests. So I find that I might not have gotten as much deep sleep as before. And I think it's kind of a natural thing. I, I read somewhere that once we become, once we're given birth as a mother, the hormone changes such that we get easily woken up. They call it like mother's instinct. So when the babies cry... Uh, it's more often that the mother wakes up rather than the father and I observe it myself sometimes. <laughs> so, so that's biological? Uh. That's blame us, actually uh. biological. <laughs> blame the father, so. <laughs> but you can make an effort, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm sure. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a biological thing and uh, it's like what survival, the gene for survival, maybe. And 
So I get easily woken up also. So until today, until today, mm. because I've, I mean, I've three kids and all of them, I nurse till about they are two years old. So I'm still feeding the last one right now. Mm. So I'm not trying to say that men uh, do not feel it or what, but to have carried the child, the baby, for nine months, uh, sleeping, mm. waking up, doing you know, going to work, doing whatever that you are doing, you know, and, and then when the, when the baby gets out. Of course, there must be some uh, continuity, right, or connection. Uh, you know, that the bond, I guess. Yeah, the bond. Yeah, about yeah, the yeah. bond. It's not just mm-hmm. uh, physical, but emotional. Yeah, you and know, emotional is actually related to the hormones, lah. So it all relates to the biological changes. Mm. Right. Yeah, but I also read that uh, some study says that um, the fathers also experience hormonal changes mm-hmm. uh, during the mother's pregnancy period and also after the. Uh, delivery of the baby. Uh, and therefore, when it talks about uh, postpartum depression, both mothers and fathers uh, can uh, experience that. So it's not just limited to mothers. So and one of the reasons is also the hormonal changes that men experience uh, on top of everything, every other thing like sleeplessness and, and you know, just the stress or maybe financial uh, issues that they are facing. Yep. And yet that's not being talked about no, underreported yeah. because men usually will just say, oh, I'm just having a bad day. Oh, I didn't sleep enough last night, you know, and things. So they will just, uh, anything, they will say anything and diagnose it in any way except to say it could be depression. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's a topic for another day. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that's the hardest thing. Now, you're a working mom. Um, how do you manage? How do you manage to balance work? Uh, you are a doctor, Mariam, <laughs> so I'm sure your your work is you know uh, with great responsibility and you know in terms of volume. How do you manage uh, balancing, you know, being a uh, you know your work as well as being a mother? Um, I would say that I knew from the start that for me personally it would be tough because um, I was studying overseas. Uh, when I have my first two children and when we came back then I have my third child so I was doing my doctorate overseas lah, where I get that PhD and the title of doctor and where I was studying which was in Sweden uh, there was actually more flexibility there where we are able to extend the parental leave into like a percentage so we can work 50% to 75% for some number of mm, for some duration, according to our parental leave. And that's what I find when I'm back in Singapore, that there is not much flexibility there. Like, I I did apply for some lab positions because I'm, I'm a doctor by research, not a medical doctor, yeah. Yeah, just to clarify. And um, I asked is if it's possible if I take uh, 50% or 75% work, and they said, no, we don't have such thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, because of that, I decided to take another route, which is being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that helps me to balance because um, I can put in the time for the family along with the schedule that I have for work. So, that is one of the things. And I know some of my <clears throat> family members, they actually left work. But otherwise, some of my friends who are still working... I find that they get a lot of support either from family members or, you know, just by sending the kids to preschool or daycare. 
and um, or some of them will get uh, helper at home. So different ways. Um, I think one of the most helpful way to get this balance is to create a routine. Because once we have a routine, right? Firstly, we know what to expect. And secondly, children actually thrive better with routine. And um, when we know, okay, what we're supposed to do in a day, then it helps us to like, okay, no, now we know, get ready, you know, wake up, go to school. And then we come back, we have dinner, some family time, and then bedtime. So it's a um, program week. Mm. And then at, at the weekend, that's where we let it like, okay, now what do you want to do? And most weekend, we will visit um, our family members. And very often, we will we'll visit my parents. And um, on Sundays, as much as possible, we will have a family time in the evening or late afternoon where um, my husband, myself and the kids, we will go to the beach. So we have that kind of routine to make sure there's family time and there's work time. And I think another aspect of balancing work and family is that since I'm working from home, it's actually harder because the work time and, you know, the home chores, chores it kind of like integrate and like, you know, I'm some, sometimes thinking, should I be washing the dishes now or should I be checking my email? <laughs> you know? Okay. Do both at the same time. <laughs> I heard that, what? you know, women and mothers can multitask. <laughs> Actually, I do. I do watch uh, podcasts and videos while I'm watching dishes, washing see, see. dishes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do multitask. But not always possible. Um, so another thing that helps me is the concept of personal effectiveness. Um, this one, actually, I... Uh, by chance, I just thought like, let me calculate how much time do I spend doing the house chores every day so that I know how much time I should set aside so that I don't feel bad that, hey, I'm not giving enough time for this or that. So I start timing. Okay, from start to finish, in general, I would take about one hour, for example, washing the dishes. Cooking is another hour. If I do laundry, it's one more hour. So um, then it helps me to plan in that time with my uh, work yeah so and when I talk to one of my brothers he's working as uh, in a consultancy company and he said yeah that's actually in the concept of personal uh, effectiveness that people incorporate into work maybe I want because such an important uh, point that you brought up about having routine you know about when uh, to balance regardless whether you're working outside and especially when you are at home it's so unstructured. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of procrastinating, especially when you don't have a boss, you're your own boss. Mm. So, uh, I mean, these are good to hear the practices that you are uh, having. But do you know mothers out there who are facing uh, issues just to, for example, because uh, yeah, after sending the kids off to school, you know, you know, then you're on your own, for example. Procrastinating starts kicking in. You know, so how do mothers out there can uh, learn from what you are saying you know, uh, to overcome those those things? Uh, really, you know, uh, because mm. your experience really, it seems that you have, uh, you know, you have gotten to get used to it. But I think the starting part would have been quite difficult. Yeah, it's very true yeah. because at the starting part, <clears throat> when the kids go to school, right, I'm like, hooray! <laughs> Watch Netflix! Yeah. K-pop! Yeah. No, not K-pop lah. K-drama. <laughs> 
Um, that was during circuit breaker. Okay, we watch a lot of K drama because you know, like we're home like the whole two months. But anyway, once you know circuit breaker was over and we back to uh, the normal routine, we have to self motivate. And how to how to self motivate? One of the things is to set goals. Like, what do we want to achieve? So, for example, um, I usually set goals connected to what uh, am I lacking right now. Let's say if I want to improve finances, means I have to look more into the business. Or if I find that um, okay, I want now the house is a bit messy. So my goal is to have the house clean by when. So. Having goals and then writing them down really helps. And then I have this checklist. I mean, people have like vision board and everything. Mine is like for sh- very short-term goals like this. I just have checklists. And then when I'm done with it, I just check, 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 check. And the thing is that the checklist, right, never ends because we always mm. add new things. Mm-hmm. But when I see something being strike off, there's really a sense of satisfaction. Like, okay, I'm done. Because otherwise... We never see that we have done something because the work is endless, especially housework. It never ends. But then once we have completed one part and then we strike it off, then we know, hey, we accomplished something. I think this is something for like, for example, stay-at-home mums or maybe work-from-home mums. Sometimes it's hard to feel accomplished or satisfied because the work never ends. And then you don't know what you have done. You don't know what you haven't done. And then, you know, like washing dishes, uh, five minutes later when you cook, you know, it's full again. The, the sink is full again. So I think it helps to really understand what what you want to achieve and then, you know, what are the th- tasks we need to do and have some kind of like visual, like you tick it off. And then, as you know, we like to reward kids, but sometimes we can also reward ourselves. Yeah, this is the habit loop, right, that we've been talking about, right? There must be the uh, trigger, the response, or the routine, and then the reward. Then it goes back again to the trigger or the thing that you want to do. But I want to pick up something because you say that this is what stay-at-home mothers do. But I think this same example uh, that you were saying are applicable to men as well who are actually working from home. For example, mm-hmm. if men have this attitude that you should be working at home uh, 24-7 and I'm sometimes guilty of that. Uh, right? And you forget actually that you have other responsibilities. So we want to go to the next question about uh, team... I mean... Uh, how can uh, how do you see uh, your the role of uh, your husband, for example, uh, in performing uh, the duties and uh, trying to achieve uh, whatever that you want to achieve together, you know, uh, at home and with your children? Okay, just now I mentioned about the routine, right? Mm. So both of us contribute to the routine. So, for example, um, in the morning when uh, you know, we all wake up. The first thing is we prepare the kids first to go to school. I mean, at the same time, while we also, you know, prepare ourselves. Um, so when we're preparing the kids to go to school, we will split the tasks. Like who, you know, does what. Because we have like packing the bag, pack, uh, cleaning up the bottle, feeding the kids, showering the kids. So we split the tasks. Um, so these are two, two of the main things. that We have the routine and splitting the tasks. So we know that, okay, now um, at the end of the day, we're supposed to be also, you know, like, end of the day. So, so how do you agree to what tasks who do? Okay, that one, right? <laughs> it was trial and error. At first, we like, okay, why don't you do this? And then I do this. And it's like, 
it's not working so well. Why don't you do this? Or it's like somehow we naturally go into that role because, for example, the kids only want me to shower them. Then, okay, so now it happens that I'm the one preparing the kids. And because it's three of them, the amount of time I take to prepare the kids is about the same amount of time my husband would take to uh, prepare the uh, breakfast, pack the bag, pack the bottle. So he would do all that and I would do preparing the kids. You know? And it has been working like that for some time. But some days, the kids feel like, no, I want daddy to shower me. Then like we will, re- we will rotate our... So we fill in the gap. So we have things that we see, okay, you know, we do better at what. Mm. Then after that, we complement each other like wherever is necessary. So there's no such thing as, this is my job, that is your job. You know, you, I do mine, you do yours. Sometimes we do that. We try to do that. Like at least, you know, we split something. Mm. I even have... In my mind, I have a list that, okay, these are the things that we need to do at home. <laughs> and then how we split. But then at the same time, because now I'm like freelancing, I mean, I'm, my work is still like freelance, you know, it's according to my time. Whereas my husband's time is uh, more fixed with the work, uh, nine to, um, maybe nine to seven almost. So uh, if I were to give really half-half, then it means that when the time he's back, he's just doing the house chores and no time for the kids. And I don't want that. We want to have that family time. So, uh, at so at some point, like okay, let me see what do I do. Uh, maybe I take more on the weekday, and then the weekend he will catch up with some of the things. Yeah. So we try to. That's why I say we fill in the gaps. Yeah. But as much as possible, we try to. Both of us will play a role in both the child minding and the house minding. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's very good. Um, it's good to hear you have found, you know, it's like water will find its level naturally. So I guess that's how husband and wife, father and mother needs to find the equilibrium, you know, find the sweet spot about how things can be separated or divided uh, so that everyone chips in to whatever degree. Um, I read a report some time ago that uh, in 2018, there was this survey, global survey done by International Labour Organization about the division of labour between men and women. And they found that Asian women do four times more unpaid work than Asian men. And so unpaid work means um, basically housework and childcare. All right. Um, so it doesn't seem like uh, that ratio applies to your family. What what do you think the ratio would be <laughs> in your home? Third, the ratio was uh, four four to four one. Four to one. She was in, she was in uh, Sweden for some time, mm-hmm. so she's not a typical Asian woman. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's but now now today in uh, Singapore, it depends on the weekday. Maybe that applies. Okay. Then on the weekend we even out. <laughs> mm, all right. So okay. I think. There, there is some truth in that in general, okay? Um, because I'm in a lot of forums where mummies, you know, discuss. Like, it's more like venting out or asking opinions and sharing, you know, each other's information. And a lot of mummies who are stay-at-home mums, they do have that, that complaint. And the thing is, it's not just about, you know, they want to do it or something. Sometimes it's just expected. 
of them. Mm. For example, I've I've read um posts where you know the husband when they come back from home, and they ask like, why is the dishes not washed? Why is the clothes not folded? You know, and um, it becomes something very stressful for the mummy, because if the baby is still home, just child minding itself is a complete full time job. And then to do the housework on top of that is another full-time job. Mm-hmm. And if you add on to the like night shift with the kids, it's like three-shift work then. Full-time three-shift work. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think um, it can be both ways. Like I also know someone whose husband is a house husband. Then when the wife comes back from work, then, you know, she shouldn't have that kind of expectation also. Lah. So it's more of understanding each other. Um, sometimes how we get to our agreement at this point, right? Partly is, of course, my overseas experience. Because in Sweden, they are very much, um, the feminist movement is very strong. And they are very much on equality between men and women. And also equal share of child minding, um, everything like, as much as possible. Um, even mothers are almost expected to work um, after the parental leave ends because it's how the society has been built up. But they give very fair family policies to support families. Mm. Yeah. I and always tell men that, uh, you know, men and women, uh, husbands and wives, ask this same question, what's for dinner? except at different times. For mothers, they would ask this question the day before. All right? In their minds, they'll be thinking, okay, what, what should I cook for dinner? Or, or during the day while they're at work, for example, what, what am I going to cook for dinner? You know? uh, and they would just plan the menu and then once they get off work, they will rush to the supermarket or wherever to get all the ingredients, go home and start to cook. Husbands, on the other hand, ask that same question when they get home. <laughs> they walk through the door and ask, "What's for dinner?" You know, so I I just use this to tell you know just to bring across the point that, uh, you know, we men we we need to change that. You know, don't don't just ask what's for dinner when you get home and expect dinner to be on the table ready for you. Magic one. Like that. <laughs> Magic one. Right, you were talking about um in Sweden, right? Um, yeah, the family, uh, friendly policies, you know, by the government. And then uh, a lot of uh, strong mm-hmm. feminist movement. I, I don't want to touch more about that, but more about uh, because people probably wait lah, we wait for the government to do something, you know, and then we change. But what are the things uh, that you think men in general uh, can change in terms of mindset right, mm-hmm. to uh, accept the uh, you know a different kind of gender roles, not like what our father's generation the, the traditional uh, you know gender roles yeah yeah you know how can men today all right um change their mindset i think it's not just men both men and women and it have to be the parents also okay <laughs> um i think one of the mindset we have to adapt is that we see now generally in singapore itself right men and women are contributing almost equally to economy Okay, we see as many working women as we see working men. So why not, if women are contributing economically, means like the traditional roles where women are more at home is also shared equally with 
you know, the partner. So that is one of the um, mindset, I think. And the other mindset is about communication. Um, maybe not just mindset, but it's more like style, mm-hmm. developing the style of communication. I find that um, when I was in Sweden, I learned a lot more about how you know they communicate. And I find it very enlightening because uh, they're very open and they try to be non-emotional and they can be quite direct. <laughs> so they will say to the point. It's not like in general here, we only say when women say no, they mean yes. When they say yes, they mean no. <laughs> there, when they say no, they means no. Why do you do this? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I do that. Maybe I don't do that. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> so you think the women down there, they're more, uh, they, don't, they don't display that kind of I mean, they're more outward saying that. They're more bold, right? At, at least in the area where... I mean, I was working in the institute, right? In the university level. And it's like PhD or higher, mostly, in my lab. We have a few which are... Uh, we have students coming mo- um, sometimes. But most of the people that I have interaction with are fellow PhD or postdocs. So, I think they're firstly more matured. And I would say secondly is also because of the education and their own exposure, because many of them will have international exposure. So they also have a different type of charisma or the way they carry themselves, lah, I would say. And I learned a lot just being there and, you know, just observing how they communicate and just, you know, like communicating with them and then learning how they're communicating back. Um, especially in terms of like anger management, um, not just anger, but in general, emotional, emotional yeah. and handling um, conflict. And mm. I think one of the most applicable and useful um, technique I learned there is how to separate facts from emotion. So if there's an argument, it's like it's good to present the facts. And then, like, try to hold back on the emotion. And um, I think now I'm also taking some classes on mindfulness. And I find that they also do this kind of, like, you know, trying to keep our emotions in check. And I think these strategies, you know, they are very applicable to parenting and husband-wife relationship or cooperation. Because often, uh, when we have arguments and at home, uh, maybe we either talk too fast or we don't talk at all. You know, when we talk too fast, we can't retract the words. And then the hurt is done. And, you know, like they say, if you put a nail into a wood, you can take out the wood, but then the hole will still be there. So, that is one thing. Or, if we hold back and we don't communicate, which is also very common in our community still in Singapore, then it comes to the point that we may be bottling up too much that it boils over and by the time the anger or that emotion, you know, reach beyond our level, then uh, we, there's just an outburst lah, and people yeah, fight. Yeah, it's like a volcano that erupts yeah, and exactly. hurts many, many people. <laughs> and, and what I learned over there is that one of my friends, he's Dutch, and he said that, uh, I asked him how come he can remain so cool even when, you know, we are talking about agreeing to disagree and it feels like it could have been an, a heated argument. He said, no, he, he understands himself and he knows that, okay, before he reached that eruption level, he know when is the next highest or like 70%, 50 to 70%. Then he will put a stop there 
either to directly say, okay, this is the situation now. Let's hand- tackle with the facts. Or um, he would just get away from that situation. Mm. So just walk away. Yep. So that's what I I would call it like a timeout for myself. Like if I feel very angry, it's not that I'm not going to talk about it, but it's just that I won't talk about it right now when I'm feeling angry and I'm about to erupt. Mm. So let me take a timeout, cool down, and then we come back later with, you know, like more settled emotions. Mm. That's called flooding. Flooding is when you... Uh, when your prefrontal cortex is flooded with adrenaline and cortisol because you're so upset, you're so frustrated, angry, and uh, you're not able to control your emotions and your emotions control you and you likely will say things and do things that you will later regret but you cannot retract, you cannot take back, you cannot undo. So yeah, that, that example you gave is a very, very good example, very wise thing to do to, you know, to... Recognize to have enough self-awareness to know that you're reaching that boiling point and before you even get near to it, do something about it. Either soothe yourself, calm yourself down uh, and taking taking a break is is one definitely good strategy. Yeah. So I think communication is... is um, I don't think we're talking about stifling and suppressing our emotions, but it's appropriately expressing it, articulating it so that we, it's uh, understood you know, because I don't think we can divorce our words from emotions because we are basically emotional beings. You know, we, we, we have emotions. We can't control emotions, uh, but we can choose the right way to express it and make it known what we are feeling. Uh, there was a couple I was helping in their marriage and the wife was complaining about the husband not, not helping in keeping the house tidy. And so I, I, I kind of gave them a template about how you should you know, express yourself. And so I said, start with your feeling. You know, so I feel what? So she said, I feel angry. I feel upset. I feel frustrated when, you know, you, my husband, is not helping to keep the house tidy. And so I said, uh, okay, besides angry, frustrated, upset, what other words can you think of? And she couldn't think of and I kind of helped her a little. How about lonely? And she said, yes, that's exactly how I felt. And the, the husband's eyes just opened wide. You know, and he says, I never thought that you felt that way. And that point on, he started to help. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think just now we're talking about uh, women. They don't say directly. I mean, this is from my own experience. And men tend to want to just be told directly. And the conflict rises when, why can't you just say, you know, after you realize that all this argument actually is very unproductive and actually leading to nowhere, then you regret because actually we just misunderstood each other. I, I think <laughs> that, that's a good point, no? And I, I want to say something to men out there who are listening. Uh, men tend to say, well, if my wife needs my help, all she needs to do is to ask. Yes. Right? For Honey, women, they say, yeah. if I need to ask, it doesn't count anymore. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I mean, then we treat you so stupid, is it men? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I, I, what, what I'm trying to help men understand is to help is not the same as taking responsibility or taking ownership. All right? Uh, when it comes to housework, it is your house. Come on, it's your house. And, you know, if you don't have, I mean, unless you have a domestic helper, right? Fine. You know, that's the, the, the job of that helper. But otherwise, at the end of the day, the ball is still in your court, right? So you're responsible and you need to take ownership of it. So don't wait to be asked. 
to do something. If you see something needs to be done, just do it. You know, and so that's the difference. If you are, if you only wait to be asked, then you know you are still implying that the primary responsibility of your wife is to keep the house tidy and to do all these other things. Only when she needs, then I, I will come in. You know, so it's like a, a a football game, for example. You have these substitutes, you know, the reserves, right? So only when you're called upon by the coach and says, "All right, you get on the pitch and you play." Uh, other than that, you're just sitting there, you know, with your legs crossed and doing something else. So that's that's the difference. I think that's one mindset among men. Uh, I had to change my mindset in that terms because after I read the report I was telling you about, at first I was taken aback. I said, four times more cannot be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, until I looked at my own home, you know, between my wife and I, I said, not far, lah. Not far. Oh, very far. You know, more like five. Oh, okay. okay, more like five times more. You know, and I felt very guilty and convicted, and so I started to step up. So now today, I use housework as my stress reliever. You know, after working, 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 I need to take a break. Okay, I might as well do some housework in the meantime. So I find housework as a distraction for me to take my mind off whatever I was doing. You know, a change of pace, a change of scenery and things like that. So, yeah, you, we can find some meaning in doing housework, actually. Yeah, I think ab- about the communication, right? Maybe I want to add one thing that uh, when we say about communication, people always think that we need to talk. Uh, but I feel that it need not always be just talking because, uh, you know, some people, they might be introvert and then introverts don't like to talk. And um, or some people they generally are adverse to like confrontations. So one other way, uh, I heard someone before told me that they used to write letters to each other mm. if they feel that they cannot, you know, they want to say something but it's hard to get it across, then they can they write letter. Then I'm thinking, yeah, that can work too. Then in today's context, you know, we can write emails or even text. <laughs> Uh, WhatsApp. But doesn't that sound weird, you yeah. know, for husband and wife to email no, each I, other? I mean, that's the thing, you know, mm. like we can't really judge because it's also based on personality. Because mm-hmm. some people, maybe they are not used to communicating. And okay. then they are not comfortable to talk to each other in like a face-to-face confrontation. But when you write down, what happened is that, you know, you get to leave out the emotions, so-called. And then also the other party will not be able to influence you more. So you, you will be able to write down what you're thinking exactly. And then the other person have to read without interrupting you, you know. They have to read it anyway, if they read lah. The, the other one, I mean, I'm not trying to say that this is a good way, but one positive in writing down is usually when you write down, it's permanent, right? You usually give more thought to it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then also when you write down you will also have time, a lead time to think about it. And, you know, sometimes you can choose not to press the send button, but instead you can read and like, okay, some people just writing it down is that like they feel yeah, okay, really. It's, it's, it's just a, the process. The therapy. You, yeah, the therapy, <laughs> the yeah. process you go through. So, uh-huh. no, the point is, I think definitely it's a no-no for you just to be writing to each other your whole life yes, and not I communicating that verbally. <laughs> That's definitely not uh, normal. Right, yeah. I know how it will work if it works. Now talking <laughs> about introvert, I I I want to tell you, I was a super introvert. All right, you can ask my brother-in-law. It means my wife's brother. 
You know, he made this comment to my wife. You know, he says, your husband is the man with the golden mouth. <laughs> it hardly opens. It never opens. I mean, he said this, you can be in the same room with him and didn't know he was there. All right? So I was super introvert, but because I had emotional baggages, all right? I was, you know, struggling with different issues. And so what, today, if you look at me, you don't think I was an introvert, right? Or I am an introvert. Because yeah. I have changed, I've learned. And what, how it happened was I asked my wife to help me to help her. I mean, she was really frustrated, you know. You don't talk, you know. You, I don't know what's, what you're thinking. So I said, okay, why don't, you, why don't you help me to help you, all right? So we actually, I actually had to ask her to teach me how to speak and how to, you know, just give the information that she needs. So I think this is in marriage communication already. Uh, maybe we can change tracks a little and talk about parenting. Uh, parenting is teamwork because there's a father and a mother. How does uh, parenting work in your home? Um, I'm sure there are differences in parenting styles between you and the husband and how do you resolve it? Yeah, so far, um, we do have difference in parenting styles. Then we either, you know, like, mainly it has been just ob by observation. Like, we never really, like, discuss uh, like, in a way but it's more like observing okay I observe that he likes to do this and then he also noticed that oh Mariam like to do certain things um, so you know after a while it feels that we both adapt we grow into each other's style so for example he's more of the fun loving father la. he loves to bring the kids to play and that's he, he, typical of fathers actually yeah for the NS he was in the army so he teach the girls leopard crawl, you know, like wow. okay. <laughs> we go to we go so to the indoor a, playground. He's a CSM at home. Yeah, so so you know they are in the indoor playground, and he will be talking to them like in the army. <laughs> it's cute actually because we have a recording of that, and then um also you know at the you know the monkey bar we mm -hmm. call it or the the one where you're supposed to do the chin ups huh? chin ups, so. My six-year-old, she can actually climb up the pole to the bar. Okay. And for me, of course, I'm the one who's always like safety first. And I just mm. look and frozen, you know. <laughs> but okay. I know that, you know, I let him be because, you know, uh, we have three girls. So, of course, I let him try his style. We don't have a boy. So, it's okay. We are gender neutral in the sense that we don't just say girls should be doing this or boys should be doing this. So I say, okay, let them try. If the girls like it, then it's okay, you know. Um, and I also want the girls to be tough because it's going to be, you know, when they're out in the world, really, mm. um, there's a lot of cases of bullies. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be able to be full of self-confidence and also to be able to stand up for themselves. So I think that the approach that my husband does, um, it helped to instill this kind of like strength in them also. Yeah, so I, I let it be because it's not something that in my forte, I don't really know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, I do go kayaking and climbing and all that, but um, it's still a different style. Um, and for me, I'm more concerned on the, because I did cancer research. So I'm very concerned about 
you know, all those preservatives in food, no coloring, no additives, no sugar. So I'm very mindful about all those. And sometimes my family feel that it's an extreme. But um, I keep telling them, you know, that if the kids constantly eat this, they get sick. And I'm the one who have to take care of the kids, you know. And I'm the one who's going to lose work and, you know, lose sleep because I have to take care of them when they are sick. And it's not fun taking care of sick kids. And it's not only about sick uh, illness, right? I think with all these preservatives and uh, a lot of sugar, the kids are usually their, their behavior. It exactly. affects their behavior, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I also, I mean, that is for long term. Mm. And I mean, for people, sometimes I find not everyone will be able to see longer term. They might be seeing that, you know, the short term is like, you know, you are def- denying the kids of fun. Even the short term, I heard if they too much sugar, they will be too active. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this preservative may also cause some, um, you know, uh, conditions. Actually, yeah. that's true. That's true. The thing is, we don't really know. Um, not, not everything is really clear cut because, you know, of course, some people would say that it's attributed to this and that, but not really many scientific research can really show, okay, uh, sugar really caused this. Because even when you say about the hyperactive, there is controversy. Some people say that, no, in their study, it didn't show. Then some documentary that I've seen say that, yes, it caused hyperactive. But in general, I don't let the kids take sugar so much. Um, as much as possible, I cut that out. Until I think the first time my kid takes sweet was when we come back and visit the family and then they give candy or something. Or maybe it was in school that they get candies in school. Mm, maybe it should just be a treat. You know, candies should be a treat but not not a Snack. regular part of your diet yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And actually, I did a whole talk on this, a whole uh, because I do a vlog on YouTube you know, under my wellness of Dr. Mariam. And I talk about this. It's called the hidden toxin. And I think we're going to talk about this in the next podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And regardless, it is still important for mothers, fathers, to ensure that children are able to, I mean, control and know what they eat. Yeah. You know, because this does have effect on, uh, as I said, behavior, uh, the, how active they are. You know, at which part of the day, you're not supposed to eat this and that, you know. Otherwise, they can't uh, function. Mm. Or they can't sleep if they Mm. eat candy just before bed. That's right. So I think about this, we were going back to like how the different parenting style. So my focus was a lot on that. And so slowly my husband adapted because before that he was more like relaxed and like, you know, the kids want Ribena, okay, let's get, get them this. Or they want lollipop, okay, let's give them lollipop or like using lollipop as a treat, as a bait. Um, But then I keep reminding that no it's not good you know they will see that it beca- it will become a habit so do you mm. play good cop bad cop <laughs> we remind each other la. yeah unconsciously maybe not 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 deliberately but sometimes unconsciously uh, again it, it it's i wouldn't say it's a gender roles you know that uh, we choose but um th- this is the this is the interesting and good thing about, you know, fathers and mothers. We love the children equally, but we love them differently. Yeah, you know, like true. You talk about playing. Fathers will, will, you know, play a little bit rougher and encourage the children to take more risk. Uh, but of course, within safe limits, you know, while the mother will say, hey, not too high, not too fast, you know, and things like that. Um, Balance things so, up. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's meant to balance, yeah. you know. Um, it's meant to balance. 
provided the the couple knows how to communicate and knows how to um, give allowance, you know. Um, all right. Sometimes the mother needs to be assured. It's okay, you know. Um, let me tell you why this is safe, even though it looks risky, and things like that. Because there are there are skills that the child will develop through these kind of you know risk taking um, activities and things like that. Um, so I think, so yeah, I think a good thing to remember is parents will love mo- mothers and fathers love the children equally but differently. So we need to celebrate the difference, appreciate the difference, and learn to use the differences at the right time for the better of the child. Otherwise, the child will be very, you know, if I use the word sterile, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, don't don't get to try new things and different types of experiences, you know, and so it, it doesn't help the child to develop the different skills that they need. Um, all right. Maybe the final question, because it's Mother's Day, what do you think is the best way to celebrate Mother's Day? Breakfast in bed. <laughs> okay, okay. No that, uh Well, it's nice if the mother get an off day from, you know, the child mining, the house mining. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess if, you know, sometimes um, the husband wants to give the, the um, like a gift, I guess it really depends on what the wife like or what the mother's like. And this is where I think I mentioned about this. Um, my friend and I, we had a discussion about these five languages of love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, different people uh, likes to receive love differently. So I think if we get to know better uh, what our partner like, then we can know what is the best gift that will make that person happy. Mm. Yeah. And uh, this love <laughs> language is uh, can be a... What do you call it? Two-edged, uh, double-edged sword. Uh, because sometimes we, it is uh, what we love actually. We think the other person yeah, wants. Exactly. And this is the problem. <laughs> yeah, we that's why it's about getting yeah. to know the other partner. Correct. I think that's the thing about marriage that uh, we grow in marriage because firstly, we get to know about ourselves and then we also get to know about another person and trying to be, you know, like serving the other person. Mm. And respect uh, that. Respect, I mean, yeah, yeah. For example, if the five language says that, you know, I like quality time, you like gifts, respect that. Mm. Don't say that you're materialistic, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. For example, right? Don't don't have that judgment, you know. But uh, I, the problem with, with me sometimes with these five love languages is that what if you have all of them? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> choose one lah, choose one. No, then <laughs> I the, think there is. No, my daughter there? said it's uh. easier than you just choose one. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, correct. Don't take it yeah, as limit, difficult. You have to give everything. <laughs> yeah, why limit yourself to just one, right? If yeah. I can have five, I'll have five. If there are six love languages, I'll have six. <laughs> so which one are you? Which one? Uh, have you done Actually, the, I don't know. The test? No, no, I didn't do the test. But uh, yeah, I think I like to relax. Uh, okay. Relax. All right, one, one final question related to Mother's Day. How frequent should we frequently should we celebrate Mother's Day? Once Every a year is day. not enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, too many times become you know too common. Nothing special. No, they say we should appreciate our um, our family members, our partners, our mothers. You know, our parents. We should appreciate them every day. Mm. But maybe celebrating actually, um, we don't really celebrate Mother's Day personally because uh, sometimes we feel that you know, like what I said we should 
appreciate each other every day and sometimes these kind of days can be more of a commercial thing so don't wait for that particular what 9th of may is it the first is sunday it? second sunday second of sunday. may so don't don't wait for that day to celebrate right yeah, I, yeah. I guess sometimes we can celebrate on different days like for my family we emphasize a lot on birthdays and um other than that, I don't know. Uh, for the other kind of like special days, we don't really participate so much because we notice that, oh, people will try to sell, you know, a lot of stuff mm. on offers. Mm. So we we want to be more, um, what do you call that? Mindful. Or we, we are mindful of our spending. Yeah. More meaning. But some people, they really love to celebrate this. Correct, if yes. they love and it makes them happy, then do it. You know, mm. like like celebrate it, yeah. I think these kind of days can be seen as opportunities for the families to rally together, come together, you know, and and spend time together. It gives them a reason to spend time together. But I I think I get what you mean that you know appreciating the mothers doesn't need to happen just one day, as if you accumulate all your thank yous. <laughs> You know, and say it just one time on one day a year. Then after, um, after that, uh, yeah, and every other day you change. don't say thank you for whatever mothers do for you. Um, so I, I guess every day, any time the mothers do something for the kids, the kids, um, it'll be good for the kids if, to say thank you. And I think this is something maybe in in many families. I don't know how many, but uh, many families, the the kids would take for granted what mothers do. You know the laundry, the cooking, the washing, you know, and just worrying about the children. Uh, so just saying thank you, I think would be a way to celebrate mothers every day. So for those people who have mothers, say thank you now <laughs> to your mother. Don't wait for Mother's Day. That's right. Right now. Right now. Okay, don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Within five seconds, you have to do it. Remember the five second rule? Yes. Five if, second rule. What? Yeah, five because rule. if you have, you, you're thinking of something good to do, do it within five seconds. But you count backwards, uh, not backwards, backwards, right? So you count five, four. As you count five, four, three, you move physically. So the so-called monkey your brain or the the, the, the thing that uh, tells you don't do it, the procrastinating brain, you know, it doesn't take control over you. But if you want to do something bad or you want to be... Uh, count 50. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, if you no no not only something bad because sometimes if you're be angry, you know something that uh, emotionally uh, negative. All right, uh, wait for five seconds. You know, don't straight away jump because that's where the amygdala is. You know, mm. uh, you know the defensive mechanism. Yeah, so and do it now. <laughs> do Say it thanks now. to your mom <laughs> <laughs> or the husband's there. Say thanks to your wife. Yes, right for being a good mother for being a mother. Mm-hmm. And mother to you, actually. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes our wives mother us, or our husbands yeah, want our wives to mother us. Yeah. yeah. But so thank you, thank you yeah. to all mothers on behalf of we are dads too. Uh, we hope you really enjoy your day with your family, and every day would be Mother's Day to you also. And also thank you to Dr. Mariam mm-hmm. for coming up, coming here, and you know really sharing, uh, frankly and uh, in a fun way. All right, your experience and uh, your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And I mean, it was really fun having this conversation with you because for me, it's, uh, it's also enlightening to know the father's point of view. And of course, Parkson, since you are also a family therapist, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm also learning things now that I'm chatting with both of you. And I actually do have my own 
Mummy Matters blog. <laughs> yeah, do please do check out uh your blog. Huh? What is it called? Um, it's called Mummy Matters, but I think right. you can look it up under Wellness with Dr. Mariam because right. I have a whole series uh of blogs on like parenting for uh Mummy Matters and um I also do like toxin free living. And like for children, I do introduce like healthy snacks for children. Yeah. So I, I do a few different things. And other than snacks, I also introduce like what are the healthy alternatives to like toxin-free living instead of uh, chemical-laden uh, products. So this is related more to my cancer work where I try to avoid, um, you know, those that are suspicious chemicals like parabens, phthalates, and try and... I try to find more products that are natural and chemical-free or toxin-free. And this is what I share with other parents also. Because it helped me, my family. My daughter recovered from eczema. And I hope to, you know, like, help other parents with whatever situation they are in if, you know, this might help them too. And we'll talk about that in another episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, for coming. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Iman Catalyst Community, which is missioned to elevate hope by transforming lives through social education initiatives as well as personal development programs. We are the medium that come in between NGOs and their beneficiaries to enhance their sustainability and impact. If you'd like to know more, connect and collaborate with us, you can reach us at Facebook and Instagram at Iman Catalyst. That's spelled E M A A N. And we would like to work and partner with you. Thank you so much for tuning to this week's conversation. We hope that this episode helped you in your transformational journey as dads. If you like this podcast, make sure you review, follow, and share it with your friends. For more episodes and resources on fathering, check us out at We Are Dads Too on Facebook and Instagram. We would also like to hear your comments and questions. So, please feel free to share them on our FB and IG pages and also our Twitter and be connected to other dads too. Until next time, let's take the next step to be the special dad we are meant to be. Take care and stay safe.